Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 82 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. Yeah. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. Were you early cheering? I was. I was just, early cheering. I'm in a good mood. I just this, scared the bejeebers out of you yeah, by you accident. Really, you really it. did. Jacob just, while in the middle of a <laughs> polite conversation, just started playing loud music in my ears, and I wasn't expecting it, and I jumped. It you're was, happy. It was great. It you're was happy. It's a great way to kick off the day. I'm already smiling. For you, but now I'm all like shattered over here. Not shattered. You got your blood flowing. You're feeling good. It's a good way to start this morning. You know what was better? What's that? Last week when I didn't record. You didn't have you. to do anything. What do you think about that? That was pretty What do you think nice. about that? I didn't have to put up with you for a day. You missed me. You know you did. Debatable. You can um, always say you didn't, but you did. As you're over there doing whatever it is you do on your weekends off. You don't ever need to know. <laughs> don't you worry pr- about it. Probably a good idea. Actually. I mean, really, I look at news stories and then I freak out because, I mean, let's face it, Jacob, the world's a mess. Ah, yes. My the, favorite subject. The end is nigh. <laughs> the existential dread that should keep you up at night is palpable. It's really true. It's really true. I mean think about it people with things like climate change just looming all of the end of the world stories out there have just got a lot scarier because they all seem a lot more realistic a thing with the name rain in it is still on fire somehow and there's not enough moisture this is all stuff that this is end of the world stuff going on here depressing at this rate i won't have time to enjoy like my handmaid's tale style retrograde anti-feminist dystopian police state before oh. climate change burns me alive or blows me away. Well, and I was really looking forward to that. I mean, it would have been fun. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It would have been something. But um, but because of that, we are not bringing this up just to be depressing. But we were discussing it. And then we thought, hey, at least this has created some great um, books and films. So why don't we talk about some of the best things we think that have hit the screen Maybe we can analyze what the point is. Yeah. Of all of we it, get to Jacob. pick our favorite one, like which of these scenarios is most likely and to be the most <laughs> enjoyable when it goes down. Well, it's changed so much over the years. So in the 1950s, people worried about communism and nuclear war, and then science fiction reflected those concerns. And then around the 1980s, it was plague and danger from space, and then science fiction reflected those concerns. Sure. And now... We're worried about everything. Yeah. <laughs> so we got war, viruses, natural global disasters, genetically modified humans, the big Z- one for me, computers Zom- rung amok. Zombies are even a concern because they figured out how to bring back dead brain cells. Hey man. For some reason. I can't imagine why. But you, they did. you name it. It's happening. So as a species, I'd say we're pretty freaked out right now, as mm. we should be. Yeah. But with that let's just watch and read the things that will really elevate those fears. That's right. We're, we're just going to lean right into the terror here, everybody. <laughs> it's a good one. Lean into the terror. It's, all, it's pretty much all you can do at this point. I mean, it's not true. There's still, remember, you can still march. Call your Congress people. There's things that you can do. Donate, donate, donate. But when you're not doing that, we're going to talk about some books and movies that you should consume. Yeah. Sounds good, yeah, Jacob. When you're, when you're writing said letters or emails, this is what you should have on in the background. Right, as, you're, you as you're crying and <laughs> canning your tomatoes to hide in your basement and all of the things that you ought to be canning doing. Canning tomatoes, oof. Not exactly the, not a, not a great meal you're going to. I'd be like, come on, let's get some succotash going just so you could say succotash in the future. I don't even know what succotash is. That's yeah. a real thing? I yeah. thought that was just what that... 
I thought it was Sylvester, just in, yeah, I thought it was just cartoons, but apparently it's a real thing, and it's like corn and beans and oh yeah, might not be that bad. Sounds delicious. I wish they would put a better name on there, but hey, I learned I learned so much from you. That's what I do. So getting into this, we are going to start with a movie. I mean, we've probably only brought up two dozen times on the show. I can't imagine which one I it think is. that it's time for us to bring it up again because we love it and we're just mad at anyone who hasn't seen it. So again, um, sort of dystopian film here, Children of Men. Ah, just love it so much. Clive <sighs> Owen classic. Classic. So this is the Alfonso Cuaron film, which he adapted from the P.D. James book. Also great, people. Really? The book at the film? Yeah, check it out, guys. I, I mean, the film is untouchable, but still, you have to start with the book. Um, so what the film is about, if you don't remember from us talking about it, is that when infertility threatens mankind with extinction and the last child born has perished. A disillusioned bureaucrat, which is Clive Owen, becomes the unlikely champion in the fight for the survival of Earth's population. He must face down his own demons... We always love a personal struggle and then protect the planet's last remaining hope from danger. Um, this movie also, I think the timing is crazy because fertility rates now are at the lowest that they've ever been. Yeah, there's all kinds of articles about how in like China and the United States, the birth rate is below the like the median level, the one they need to sustain population. Absolutely. They're expecting the huge die off eventually. So the population might start decreasing soon. And because terrible things have happened in so many parts of the world, the UK is kind of going strong, but they have so many people like that are is trying to like leave the US and other places and try to get to the UK because they just want to live. Um, and these people are like locked up in cages because they're like, we can't fit everybody in. So it's, it's a, it's a really interesting, um, spin on everything. I want to say that this movie works on every single level as a violent chase thriller, as a fantastical cautionary tale. Um, it's a really sophisticated human, human drama about society just struggling to live and it's so beautifully shot with amazing cinematography. Oh, yeah. If you just want to like look at something, even though it's a lot of muted and washed out colors, it still looks just so evocative. Like you just look yes. at it and like you just get that feeling like, ooh, this is this is not good. And What's it feels really real. I think sometimes in some like post-apocalyptic films, you've got like day after tomorrow and yeah. it seems a little over the top. And it's definitely you're like, this is a movie that I'm watching. Whereas Children of Men, you're like, whoa, this this feels really real. Really real real. A little too real if you ask me. Yeah, That's, for uh, sure. Ugh. But again, people, if you haven't seen it, please, we keep bringing it up because we just love it. Yeah, not just enough. Just let us love it. Not enough people knew about it when it came out. Not enough people watching it now. Nobody's reading the book. What is everybody doing out here? <laughs> They're just panicking. They're having existential crises. Let them, let them have it. So what do you have for us? All right. I'm End gonna, of the world. I'm going to go a little bit lighthearted here. Okay. That's, for once. You that's know, nice. That's usually what I do. I'm the lighthearted one of the two of us. Oh, great. So I'm going to go with the recent Amazon TV series and classic 1990 Terry Pratchett book, Good Omens. I don't know if you've had read We or talked seen about it. it for a minute. I mean, obviously the show is not available at the library yet because not it just yet. came out, but the book has been forever. I hated the book. Really? I did. I read like a quarter of it and I was like, it's just not for me. Okay. It's understandable. It's probably super British. People love problem. it. Yeah, I they mean, do. people love that book. Which and you know what? If the book is anything like the source the um TV show, which I was amazingly surprised how good it was. I The like, show you I, love I it. I love the show so okay. much. Okay. 
mainly because of the two leads. Uh, it stars Michael Sheen and David Tennant, and yeah. either one of them by themselves is enough to get you to watch something, but together, forget about it. It's so a the world combo. is ending in the show. So what the show is about? It's about the angel Aziraphale. Um, and the demon Crowley, who are basically the two representatives, one from heaven, one from hell on earth. Okay. They've been around since the very beginning, since like the Garden of Eden. They've just been like watching it and reporting back to them about what's going on. Well, fast forward 2000 something years um, about all their little hijinks. And it comes to the point where it's time for the apocalypse to happen. So they have to do their part in order to bring it about. They got to make sure that the parents of the Antichrist meet. They gotta, oh, they you know, want the apocalypse to happen. Well, here's the thing. They after they want all about it because they want to do God's plan. But now after living on Earth, they've gotten so used to it and uh, all the parts. They that, don't want the good time sense. Yeah, they do not want the apocalypse where it's just angels are going to fight demons and then it's the end of everything. They don't want that anymore. So now, even though they know what their job is and the whole reason for being is to watch and help this happen, now they're like, uh, we don't want this to so go down. So normally they wouldn't talk in life, but are they talking because they're working together? No, no, they're like best friends because they have like been, oh, since yeah. they're like the representatives, <laughs> they've known each other since the very beginning. So they're like best buds. <laughs> and they both kind of agree that it's like, we don't want the world to end. So now they're basically trying to go against the apocalypse without heaven or hell finding out what they're doing on earth or what they're up to. And oh boy, it, it sounds like... It sounds like when um, RBG and Anthony Scalia were like BFFs and they would like go out to opera shows. And it you're is. Like, you are the most different people ever, your views and everything. So that's how I'm going to picture Th this. That show. is pretty much exactly <laughs> what it is. And like the book, I, you know, the book's good because, you know, it is what it is. If you like that kind of humor, it's going to go, it's going to have some hits, some misses. But when we eventually get the TV show, which we will, you need to pick that up because just the two leads themselves are enough. You yeah, have like John I think Hamm. I would check that out. You got like John Hamm is showing up in there. Um, Nick Offerman's in there. Francis McDormand plays uh, the voice of God on the show. Oh, good choice. Yeah, so they just, everything about the show is so great. Go check out the book ahead of time. Neil okay. Gaiman, Terry That's Pratchett classic. Like end of the world, but fun. Yeah, you know, I guess, you know. Sure. Pick up Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is another end of the world thing and kind of is going to be similar in tone. Oh, yeah. So get, that, pick that up, fits. Go pick up your good omens, people. It is well worth it. Okay. So another film, uh, one that I love very much that I think was underrated is called Take Shelter. This is a Jeff Nichols film. Um, Shelter. You never saw it? No. Michael Shannon film. Oh. Gotta love some. This was one of the first things I think I ever saw him in. So he plays Curtis and he lives in a small Ohio town with his loving wife who's played by Jessica Chastain. This was okay. like when she just suddenly came out in like six movies in like a year and we were like, who is this wonderful woman? Um, and then their daughter. So though money is really tight in their house, he and his family, they're very happy. But then Curtis begins having these terrifying dreams about an apocalypse that is going to like threaten them. So rather than confiding in his wife, he just begins building a storm shelter in the backyard once he kind of realizes that like he's seeing it, nobody else is, but he's like, ah, it mm. seems real. And his strange behavior starts to cause tension in their marriage and in the surrounding community. Um, because people are like, what are you doing? And why are you kind of saying that these things are going to happen? So to be fair, it, you know, the world hasn't ended yet in this film. Um, but again, since we're all paranoid in the era of global warming and superstorms, it, it really fits. Mm. Um, I love this movie. Just purposeful, subtle filmmaking 
at its best for me. Like they're not rushing anything. It creates a perfect blend of drama and terror and dread. And you spend a lot of the film sort of debating with yourself. Is he losing it? Like, is he having visions of something that is to come or is he kind of losing his mind? Which, and either way, it creates a really compelling film. That's exactly the, the yeah. usual line from Michael Shannon in there. Is he yes, really going totally. crazy or is he like being legit with all this? And he plays it really well. I mean, Michael Shannon is, again, we've talked about him as like a really underrated actor because everything he does, even if the films aren't great because he's been in a lot of duds, Oh yeah, his performance is... I think is always top notch. I, I get so you know what's the most horrifying thing about that is trying to imagine Michael Sheen as like a ha- or Michael Shannon as a happy guy. Like it's just so hard to see. Like he's he smiles so, like twice at his daughter, and that's pretty much it. So he's still he's still Michael Shannon. He's gritness. He's like this is the happiest I've ever been, <laughs> Jessica. Now the world gonna end. It's got really amazing shots too of like the end is nigh things that he's envisioning. So you get some some pretty good looking film I'm there. Actually, surprised that I haven't seen that. I don't know what I thought it was. You know what? I probably got it confused thinking it was some kind of Rolling Stone documentary or something like that. It's possible. And I was like, nah, I don't really care for him. Highly, overrated. highly recommended. I highly recommend it, Jacob. Oh, my. Even highly. Not just recommend it, Jacob. I highly recommend it. You guys can't it. see this. She did the thumb to the person I point. That's how you know that she's seen it. This guy recommends it. This Please. is all about it. Just okay. move on. I'm going to check else. it out, actually. <laughs> I like where this is going. All right. So I am going to go next with the 1954 literary classic by Richard Matheson, I Am Legend. Not the Will Smith movie, although that movie is perfectly fine. We can probably fight about this because I love that movie. It's okay. It's fine. But go ahead. Talk about the book. So the book, uh, if you haven't read it, it's a classic. You've definitely seen this story. I Am Legend, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Pretty much any story where a got somebody or a group of people are held up in a house with uh, being assaulted by monsters or something from the outside trying to get in, it's basically this story. This is where like the whole basis for it is. Uh, so basically, but it has a dog as the second lead, so it's obviously better. <laughs> there is no dog in the book. Wait, really? Yeah, that's a movie. Movie. There is no dog in the book. The dog is such a big part of the movie. Oh, everybody, oh, every wow. everybody is super duper dead in the in the book, or are they gonna read it to find out? But basically, here's okay. what the, the story is about. Uh, Robert Neville, same guy. There's been a vampire virus apocalypse that has basically turned everybody in the world into a version of vampires, except for him. He's the only one that has managed to avoid getting infected. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Is it the same in the film as that they were trying, they felt that they had developed a cure for cancer and that is what turned into this virus, or is it different? It's sort of inexplicable. It's okay. kind of like okay. one of those they found a cave kind of deals. Like, sure, sure. They're not really sure. Um, but all of a sudden, people start becoming, you know, vampires, and they slowly start taking over the world and killing people. So this one dude has managed to stay alive, um, you know, going so far as to, like, burning down all the houses around his house. Um, st- I'm going out every day getting food. He's got his house all boarded up. And every day he goes out hunting for vampires, thinking, well, I got nothing else better to do. I might as well just kill these monsters while I'm out here. And it's just a story about isolation and how the guy's slowly going nuts and trying to question what's the whole point until one day he finds another person who appears to be not infected and it kind of like blows up his whole spot and viewpoint and then finds out some other striking revelations that just make this one of the best stories. The end of this book, which is my main gripe with the movie, 
the end of the book is such don't say it oh though. i'm not going to okay but the end of the book is just so good it's such a subversion of what you're expecting that when it hits and when it goes on you're like wow I did not see that coming. And it I'm just actually sucks ashamed you so that much. I've never read it. I can't believe it's you haven't. It's such a Michelle book, but I feel like I saw the movie and then I really liked the movie. Sometimes if I love a movie, I won't go back and read the book. Oh, really? Yeah, because then I'm like, well, there's so many books I've loved and then I've seen the movie and been disappointed. So if I didn't want to go back and maybe be disappointed by the book. It's actually one of like the big Hollywood uh, things from back then is that they actually filmed the like an original ending of the book in the for the Will Smith movie and mm-hmm. then they were like audiences were too bummed out by the what it um you know suggested so they're like oh we got to change it so we're just going to have him you know blow himself up either way spoiler alert for a 12 year old movie <laughs> we are terrible people with but yeah guys. go check out I am legend people it is okay. pretty good to read and shows it movies pretty good too go check mm-hmm. them all out you said that so convincingly. Well, because you mentioned a book, then I'm going to mention a book that I love too that fits, um, again, I think maybe mentioned before, but it's Wool by Hugh Howey. Oh, yeah. I actually have that at home right now. I'm reading you it. You do? I do. I picked it up. I was like, Michelle suggested this. I'm going to try to finish it again. I love that book. It's kind of like I Name also, of the Wind like that. I can't. I, oh, Name of the Wind. <laughs> Um, I also love that he kind of wrote a, like a small, like the first chapter or something and just released for free on Amazon um, and people loved it and asked for more. So he put the book out in like five or six parts um, okay. and then completely self-published. It became a huge hit. And then a publishing company came to him and was like, well, we'd like to make it a book. And he was like, well, I'm doing fine on my own, so I'll do it. But he makes almost all of the money off the book. Beautiful. Smart man. Because he was like, I'm already making it in my own self-published way. So he is a really self-published success, success story. But the story of Wool is that there it's a ruined and toxic future world. But this community exists, um, but it lives in a giant silo underground hundreds of stories deep. So, you know, it's kind of cool to just visualize. Yeah, it's a cool visual. What that would look like. Yeah. So there is men and women and they live in a society full of regulations that they believe are meant to protect them from this outside world. Um, And the story kind of starts with Sheriff Holston, who has unwaveringly upheld the silos rules for years. And then unexpectedly, he breaks the greatest taboo of all which is he asks to go outside. And it's not really a spoiler. It happens in the beginning, and then we get some new characters that kind of, you know, um, are added to the story, and it's just fantastic, the things that they discover and what they have to do. I love this story. And also, if you read it and enjoy it, it has a prequel, and it has a book after that that then follows Wool. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got a couple. Are they doing, like, other fabric kind of jokes one's called silk the other's like polyester you're dumb i know it's called wool because that's what they use to clean the one little window that they have to look out into the outside world oh look at that it all makes sense when you lay it out like that because i smart so wool by hugh howie uh one of my i'm gonna say like top 10 favorite books top 10 that's a that's a pretty good spot on the list it's a great book it's a great book what all else? right so I'm going to go a little goofy this time. I'm going to go Yeah, it's not, it's not something that I'm known for, but I'm going to try it out. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with 2013's This Is The End. With, oh, God. <laughs> oh, I could tell by your laugh that you remember this movie well. I do. I, I actually did not hate this movie. Yeah. So this is from the uh, 
We'll call it the James Franco crew here. Seth Rogen, James Franco, Jonah Hill, Danny McBride. You pretty much know who they are. So the movie is about, it's actually, you know, I guess it is, they're playing themselves. So, you know, it's a good little directing choice there by Seth Rogen. This is actually his first movie that he directed, which a lot of mm. people, they knew. So he's actually pretty good at it now. Something to keep in mind. So it stars, the movie's about Jay Baruchel, who's a, you know, He's an actor. That's about the best you can say for him. But he's coming he to Hollywood. He does the voice in How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, he does. I feel like for a guy who's barely yeah. done anything, he's stinking rich from doing like four of those movies. Yeah, so well, way to go, Jay. Yeah, good, good for him, man. <laughs> you don't have to look at him. The best. That's the best what? way to deal with him. So wow, he is, hurtful, okay. He is coming to Hollywood, and he's coming to a party at James Franco's house, which he doesn't really like Franco, but he's like, hey, I'm going to go check it out anyways because it's a Hollywood party. It'll be fun. So he gets talked into going, and then as they're at this party, all of a sudden the apocalypse strikes. And in addition to getting to see a bunch of celebrities and cameos get die in horrific ways. <laughs> and fall into the earth and burn up. And because this is a Franco and Rogan movie, you know they're known for their subtlety. So you can imagine <laughs> how you know understated the apocalypse that's going on outside of the house is. Um, but it's just it's such a ridiculous screwball little comedy of theirs. If you like their kind of humor, this is pretty much exactly what you're gonna you're gonna be all in for. It's definitely funny. It is a fun little romp. It is over the top, way over the top. Like anytime you know Danny McBride is gonna be a pseudo villain in the movie. Oh, Danny McBride is so terrible in this. He is so <laughs> he's bad, so but disgusting. he's so so great. I mean, he's basically doing his Danny McBride character. Yeah, like, and although it is like a young person comedy, again. Do not watch with your children. Oh, <laughs> not my goodness. Not no. recommended. <laughs> just for ch- uh, the Channing Tatum cameo alone near the end of this movie is just reason enough. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about Channing. How could I forget? Is reason enough oh. not to have kids in the room to watch That's it. very true. But if you're looking for a ridiculous comedy, it take, doesn't take the apocalypse too seriously. And... You know, you want to see celebrities play themselves? Go check it out, this everybody. This is the one. It's worth your time. I literally have so many more titles. I'm already thinking we should do a part two next week. How's that sound to you? Hey, that works for me. I don't okay, to think about it. Then nothing. I don't have to feel rushed to get through all of these good titles. Why, and why would we? It's why not, would we? It's not like we're hurtling towards the end in real life or anything. Um, okay, I was going to do a light one. You did. Okay, here's one that's pretty good that I think uh, most people don't know about. So it's a film called Last Night. The Sean Connery. Oh, that's First Night. I'm sorry. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So this is like a bittersweet emotional drama about how people choose to spend their final hours before an impending apocalypse. Okay. So it's like spending the end with loved ones. Is that what you choose? Private contemplation. Do you maybe, you know, get your groove on or just party to the end? That sounds like the way I'll be going. Yeah, we all know this. Um, So director Don McKellar explores the human element um, and ideas of living life until the end and really having the characters come to terms uh, with their lives and themselves. Mm. Um, It's a really engrossing and poignant film because I like that it examines the end of the world through really humorous and thought-provoking dialogue, which I'm always a sucker for in a movie. Um, And I also like that there's there's absolutely no heroes in the film. and it's not one of those, there's no last chance opportunities to spare humanity from certain doom, sure. which I like in a lot of movies. There's that, that maybe positive light at the end of the tunnel. That's not happening here. Good. That's, I like to hear that. I'm yeah. not a big fan of deus ex machinas in movies. But, I mean, I am. But this is really, you know, you get to sit there and think, how would you 
handle the knowledge that the end of the world was coming in a few hours? You know, what would you do? So you get to see this happen through different people and then you get to really contemplate your own life. I hate that you're smirking. It's so grossing me out. I'm just, sorry. Just please stop. I don't please. know what to tell you. It sounds like a just, very good. Just spare It sounds like me. a good movie. It sounds like a good time at a movie. It sounds like the kind of thing I would enjoy. Who doesn't like, who doesn't enjoy the idea of watching a movie about a contemplation about the absolute <laughs> end of humanity? Yeah, that better be what you're smiling about. Okay, fine. That's a film. It's good. It's underrated. It has Sandra Oh in it. She's pretty hot right now. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Oh, man, I got to watch that show still. You just reminded me. Oh, my God. Killing can't make it. Yeah. Oh, man. We can't talk about that now. It doesn't fit our theme, but it's but amazing. What if it does? You don't know what the next season's going to be about. It could be about <laughs> could the apocalypse. It could be end of the world. I guess that's true. Why don't we just do um, a couple more, and then we'll wrap it up, and we'll save it for next week. Sure. Cool. I like where your head's at there. Cool, man. All right. So next, I'm going to go with the end of one of my favorite end of the world trilogies in recent memory war for the planet of the apes from 2017 <sighs> they so, killed that franchise so good oh the new three they set it up so perfectly i've never seen a original. better reboot of anything all three of those movies are perfection oh yeah absolutely i mean they just kept getting better i didn't have any hopes for this series at all when they announced no, they were redoing same. it especially honestly when it's stuck with with james franco in the first one for some oh, reason yeah. i was like oh no this is gonna be bad yeah but then it's like man they have really they really dug deep in the mythology here and not only okay well th- th- all three of them will recommend dawn war and uh other one for the planet whatever the second movie was i can't remember right oh, now wait 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 what is it what's the first one? Oh, it's rise dawn and then war that's what they are of the planet no it must be episode. dawn rise and then war well one of the two. It's, it goes some. Pick them all, all three guys. Just come to the <laughs> They're all next to each other yeah. at the library. <laughs> so what it is about the third movie, uh, this takes place 12 years after the uh, release of the simian flu virus, which was created by James Franco. Franco. He didn't mean it. He didn't he mean it. He was trying to cure Alzheimer's. But, you know, he but did. But he did it. He did, he did it. it nonetheless. He totally ended the world. So it's 12 years after the release of this virus. Humans are basically all gone, but the apes have started to get more intelligent as a side effect. So now Caesar is trying to live a safe, like, you know, sheltered existence with his monkey buddies out in the San Francisco wilderness. Uh, But then they get attacked by the remnants of the U.S. military run by the colonel, played amazingly by Woody Harrelson, who's basically just on a mission to kill all apes because they killed his family because of their stupid flu. So after Caesar's family gets killed, he goes on a revenge mission against the colonel. And then we get some awesome face offs between a CGI Andy Circus as Caesar, but you can't even tell. He's just amazing. Yeah, the way he's able to get emotions out of a computer program is just incredible. Everything looks so good. The apes look so good. Maurice, the giant orangutan, oh, I love him. They're so good. I love him so much. The action. This movie actually makes Steve Zahn like tolerable, and that <laughs> is very difficult to do in a movie. Um, and then, like I said, Woody Harrelson is just incredible. He's the bad guy. But if you watch it and you listen to his motivations, it makes total sense. Like his oh, point yeah. of view. Oh, no, you totally understand how, you know, how people would react, even though you're like, it's not the ape's fault at all. They no. weren't doing anything. They were in cages. I like, mean, and, and then the way that this movie also leads directly into the originals, like a lot of questions people had about the original yes. movies, you're like, why? Why is this happening? And then you like, can rewatch those. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we actually explained all of your questions in this movie. I also always really enjoy films that are high caliber. Like you're like, this is an excellent film. This could have Oscar potential movies, but are all 
um, able to watch with family. Oh, absolutely. And you know, so it's hard because sometimes things that are like for that kids can enjoy, you're like, ugh. But this is just like engrossing for everyone. And it's a genre movie, and I'm definitely that's my favorite thing. Anytime I yeah. get a good genre movie, I'm all about it. So Warfare right. Plan of the Apes, people, go check it out. It's the best of the trilogy. It's the third Super one. Super good choice. Go check it out. I can't wait to see what you bring next week. I just want to throw one more book in. Okay. Um, before we wrap it up, it's called Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. Okay. Familiar? No. So Octavia Butler is a fantastic writer that... Um, I loved her in The Help. Uh, <laughs> I actually got that, screwed that joke up. That's not even Octavia Spencer, but I was... I, I, I know, I'm like disgusted. <laughs> it's just awful. Anyway, this book, Parable of the Sower, I want to say could be required reading for everyone who is living through this current moment in history. Okay. So that would be hey, all that's of you us. people. Yes. I don't know how Octavia Butler did it, but she accurately predicted our current state of environmental and economic disaster complete with like a demagogue president rampant income inequality um she's got wildfires tearing through california like it's so spot on um and it's really just about the collapse of civilization but it is also about lauren that's the star of the book and she is a young woman with powers of extreme empathy so she can kind of feel other people's pain, which is extremely difficult going through this well, yeah. falling apart world. End of the world. It's kind of a rough scenario to be hanging out with folks. Yes. But she's really determined to make a new world for herself and for anyone else who still wants to build something beautiful. Um, it is a book of all too real, real horrors, yet with tremendous hope. Mm-hmm. That's so, a hard... Uh our duo to pull off there. I can't. Please read this book, and I promise you that you will be glad that you did. Parables it's of what is it? Parable of the Sower. She's best known for the book Kindred. Are you familiar with that? That's a really mm. famous book. She's a very famous author. I feel like I've seen that book of, like through the system a you lot. You probably but. know her because when she came out, there were very few women of color writing science fiction. So she's really known. You know, that was kind of Actually, what yeah. she was known for. And then her things came out, and we're like, oh, and everything she writes is fantastic. So Parable of the Sower, it actually has a part two that came out many, many years later, um, which I haven't even checked out yet, but I just got the audiobook. so... Parable of the Sower 2, Sower's Revenge. I don't know. I can't think of a better title for that. I actually don't you're know just, any synonyms for Sower. You're so. just, you know it's S-O-W-E-R, right? Of course. Okay. I'm, just I'm not like, a savage for Okay, just sake. making sure. Okay, well, I think this is a good place to end it for today, and we'll figure yeah. it out next week, so plug us up so if our descriptions have not totally got you into a fit of depression now thinking about the end of the world swing by one of our 37 branches all over erie county and come pick them up if we don't have it there we will get it sent to you asap uh tell them all booked up sent you and they'll make it go faster 100 true Also, you can um, go ahead on our website, www.buffalolib.org, and find out where the bookmobile is going to be because it is traipsing around. Yes, and of course, follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod, where it's pretty much just 
gifts and you get to talk you get to talk to us well it's gifts if it's me it's actual I've been, intelligent conversation if it's you i respond sometime with gifts you've really had a negative effect on me so you it's just, working you, out because you're mad you can't match my gift game that's maybe all that that's is. it okay and now depressing information about the end of the world so yeah. as you probably know every year a team of scientists makes a report on how close the world is to destruction have you heard about the doomsday clock oh i've read watchmen i know all about that okay great so their most recent report in 2018 indicated that we are two minutes to midnight awesome due to the failure of world leadership to quell nuclear tension so in comparison in 1991 the report indicated that we were 17 minutes to midnight, mm. and now we're two minutes to midnight. And if you're not understanding, midnight is bad, bad time. Yeah. <laughs> That's boom, boom. That's straight up Mad Maxing it up, people. Yes. That's Ooh, something we we'll want. We'll have to bring that up in the next one. So there's that. And then this fact, because this is one of my like fears, like if I was going to write a sci-fi book, it would okay. be about this. So Copyrighted, everybody. Advanced genetic engineering tools... Um, like the, I think it's the CRISPR, but I'm not going to get into all that, but they've been hailed as a new technology to cure cancer and eradicate birth defects. Sweet. However, by actively and effectively tampering with the human genome, we could inadvertently cause tons of problems, people, including creating a superhuman race that will, I don't know, maybe persecute and potentially kill old and undesirable people or designing an unstoppable virus people i've been reading these books and watching these movies a long time stop fiddling with the dna they what are you talking about it's not like they can go ahead and change baby sex or eye colors and stuff you know what i mean every time i hear these stories i hate them stop it if you think that they're not trying to give people mutant powers because i know i would if i was a geneticist that's all i'd be doing right now once i found out you could screw with dna i'd be like oh it, it checks out people and then also um, I was reading um, some different articles about the end of the world and some facts and this came up and I just love it and I have to share it okay this is one of those this is a little off the wall I'm so giddy right now Let's do <laughs> okay it. so this is like tin foil hat level strange but a growing consensus has been forming in the technology industry <laughs> that we could be living in a computer simulation. Oh, the matrix. Yep. So it's called the simulation hypothesis, and it postulates that we are nearing a time where humans can realistically simulate life on Earth using advanced computers. So if that's the case, there is a chance that has already happened and we're living inside one of those simulations. I love the hubris of the guy who thinks that he came up with this idea that he's like, oh, we're going to call it whatever what that science Simulation thing. hypothesis? Yeah. He's like, no, no. It's totally different than the Matrix. It's totally not the framework that they've done. It's literally Agents the Matrix. Shield. It is. No, it's totally different. I gave it a completely different. It's <laughs> my idea. It is my idea. It's well, this hypothesis also states that the simulation will eventually end when we reach a point of creating our own simulation so that the end of the world could just be a simulation rebooting. So he's gone. Just wrap your mind around that for the rest of the so day. So we now have a <laughs> matrix with a little bit of inception thrown in. Right on, a little sprinkle of that. Oh. Well, at least we'll all be prepared if people listen to this podcast. I, hope, this I stuff, hope that's so. what that is. That sounds cool. <laughs> all right, you guys. Heck. Thanks so much for listening. Um, keep, be safe out there, and we'll catch you next time. Maybe. Bye.